Good morning. I'm going to ask you if you would, let's bow our heads in prayer. I want to pray uh, for uh, our group that's headed to Guatemala this week. And I just pray for our time together, too. I want to do both things simultaneously. If you're going to Guatemala, why don't you stand? I know, Sandra, I see you, and I, there's probably others. All of you guys who are going, just stand. Just kind of join me and just stay standing, if you would, through the prayer. And just be praying that God will, God will bless their, their efforts. And there are others going, too, I know, but let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, these among us who are headed to Guatemala here soon. Know that their, their, uh, their intent is to go and to, uh, to bless and to serve and to encourage even shepherd leaders in other parts of the world and encourage them that what they're doing matters to you. And I pray, God, that you'll, uh, you'll empower them, that you'll give them the words to convey that. Pray that you'll give them opportunity to bless the children where they'll be. We pray for your Spirit's presence in all that takes place with this trip. Safety of travel, uh, protection from evil, uh, divine guidance for, for everything from who they connect with to um, just every aspect of the trip. So we ask for this for them and a safe return home trip. Thank, thank you in advance that you care and that you're at work in all of this. We ask now, Lord, as we look at your word and as we talk together about Scripture and the world in which we live, our request is for your spirit to guide our thoughts, to empower us, to fill us with your presence. Uh, we need peace that can only come from you. We need boldness that can only come from you. We need hope, counsel from your word. We need more of you. And so we just ask that you give us that as we share in this time together. Thank you for everyone who's here. May your blessing rest on each. And now may you uh, fill us with your spirit. As we look at your word, it's in Jesus' name we lift this prayer. And everybody agreed with me and said, Amen. 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 Keep our uh, folks headed to Guatemala in your prayers this week, if you would. You know, one week ago today, a retired accountant with no criminal record and a large stash of guns and ammunition shocked Las Vegas, shocked America with a senseless act of evil and violence. 58 people at an outdoor concert in Las Vegas were killed. Hundreds more were injured and wounded. Millions more have spent the week mourning. We've grieved the loss of innocent lives. We've agonized over the meaningless, calculated brutality. We've begun to question a little bit more seriously as a culture, where can I go in public that's safe? I can't go to a country and western concert on a Sunday night, you know. Some of the groups, even Christian groups, you just think, where can I go? So that's going through people's minds. But many people have been wondering this week on a different level. They've been thinking to themselves something that goes like this. What can I do? I mean, what on a practical level, what can I do besides just pray, which I'm doing? What can I do to help push back the darkness that seems to be steadily creeping across our land? What do I do? We're going to talk about that this morning, and every one of us needs to think about this deeply. And here's the bottom line, really. Every one of us needs to seek God, and we need to pursue a life of holiness. This is is what needs to sweep across the the churches of America, the entire nation. Ultimately, it needs to sweep across the globe. We have this idea of holiness sometimes, that it's stilted and stiff and it's impersonal and it's remote and aloof and inaccessible. But the truth about holiness is that it's empowering, it's beautiful, 
It makes all the difference. It's the foundation of freedom. The foundation of freedom. It's the foundation of a healthy family. It's the foundation of joy and love and patience and kindness and faithfulness and gentleness. It is the root of truthfulness and self-control. It is the root of one of the values that has made our nation great, which is that we're more concerned about the welfare of others and, and not just our own. I mean, we are actually interested. Take away holiness, though. All that evaporates like a fog in the morning. Every one of us and every American can live a life of holiness. We will not drift into it. It will not happen because we were born here. It will happen if we give our lives to God into that kind of life. And the truth about you and me is that we were made we were made by God for that. We were not made for some of the things that we devote ourselves and our attention, our energies to. We, we were made to be good and godly and holy. This series, this book, this message, all about how to do that. So today we're going to look at Scripture together and be reminded and mentored toward how to honor God with lives of holiness. If you have your Bible, open it this morning with me. Uh, grab one on the shelf in front of you or open yours on your phone or whatever you happen to have with you. Open your Bible to uh, Matthew chapter 4. We're going to start there. We're going to look at several different passages actually this morning, but kind of keep your finger there in Matthew chapter 4 because they're all kind of close to there. <clears throat> so if you hold your spot there, you won't be lost as we make our way through this. But Matthew chapter 4 is where we're going to start. We're going to see the first in this passage of four ways to grow in holiness and begin to push back the darkness that's creeping across our land from this passage. Matthew chapter 4, and we're going to learn quite a lot from Jesus today in these uh, verses. So if you're there, let's start reading together. Look at verse 1. That's where we're going to start. The Bible says this, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. And during that time the devil came and said to him, If you're the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no. The scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, if you're the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect you. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to a peak of a high, a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you'll kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And the Bible says that the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. We see here in these verses that anyone who's going to grow in holiness 
is going to have to learn from Jesus how to resist temptation. This is the first way that you and I can grow in holiness and we can begin to push back the darkness in, the life, in our lives and the world in which we live. We've got to resist temptation. All of us, like Jesus was here, are tempted in many ways. We're tempted to focus on material things, be it food or clothes or carpet or cars or houses or careers or entertainment or some other convenience. We're all tempted by these material things, these temporal things. And God reminds us, Jesus reminds us in this passage that there's more to life than these temporal things. And he emphasizes, says, by quoting scripture even, kind of the way to overcome this. He says, you need to feed on the word of God. What's so significant about this? This book reminds us. Every time you open it, every time you reflect through the pages of Scripture, you're going to be reminded that there's more to life than the physical, material stuff that surrounds you, more to life than the temporal things that you are tempted day in and day out to devote your life to, the commercials that you see, the the products that you and I think we need. This book and the Spirit of God that flows through its pages into the hearts of those who ingest it will feed our souls and help us to resist temptation and evil. We've got to learn that from Jesus and take advantage of that on a daily basis. Is that happening in your life? If we're going to resist temptation like Jesus, we're tempted, if you see here, to doubt God's love and motives. Look at verse 6 again of Matthew 4. Bibles tell us here that you know the devil took him to the highest point of the temple, and this is what the devil says to him. If you're the Son of God... Jump off. Okay, you just, just like stand on this. And, and the picture comes to mind. It's like the devil's just tempting him to do a swan dive. Right off, the, right off the high point there. For the scriptures say, the devil said, he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Note to self, the devil can quote scripture and use it against you. Here's what I want you to think about with this, okay? Because sometimes we read this and we go, what? We just try to get our mind around what is really going on. And here's the heart of what's really going on in this, in this temptation. If Jesus jumps, you know what's happening, don't you? He's manipulating and presuming upon the Father to act on his behalf. He calls that testing God. That's how he refers to it. Scripture says, don't, thou shalt test the Lord your God. It's a sin to do that. And so, so if he jumps, he's testing God because it's, it's not a crisis. It's just rescue me. If Jesus doesn't jump, think about this. He looks like he's doubting and questioning Scripture and God's love and God's character and God's willingness to intervene on his behalf. Do you see this? You see, it is a no-win situation. If he jumps, he's testing God. If he doesn't, it looks like he's questioning God's character, his motives, his love, his, his provision. And here's what's important for you to keep in mind, you and me, is that evil events like what happened in Las Vegas this past week and like what happens along the coast of, you know, with hurricanes coming ashore and And like 9-11, and when you have trade center towers that go down and 3,000 people killed, and a long list of other things that we could talk about, events like this present the same kind of scenario for every one of us. 
They present before us opportunities to test God in some fashion or opportunities to doubt God's love, motives, His provision, His concern. It's important that we remember in the midst of those tests that Jesus says, in this world you will have many trials and sorrows. Go read it in John 16, verse 33. And we'll have those trials and sorrows not because God doesn't love us, but because sin and evil surrounds us. And worse than that, it's even in me. Us. You. Don't doubt and question God's affection. Remember the cross. Remember the cross. Say it with me. Remember the cross. One more time. Remember the cross. It'll help you resist temptation to test God. Because you see the humility of Jesus at the cross. And it'll help you to not doubt God's love and affection. Because when you look at Jesus in your mind's eye there, it's an eternal reminder of the motivation of God toward you and me. He didn't have to do that. He chose it because he wants to rescue you. He wants to rescue me. He wants to provide a way of escape for all of us who have sinned and are sinners. But it will turn to him and not doubt that motive. The promise is rescue, eternal life. We learn from Jesus in Matthew 4 to resist the temptation to protect ourselves through acquiring more power, more influence, amassing more so that we can wield our influence and secure ourselves and people around us. You know, Jesus was offered. I mean, he was literally offered the kingdoms of the world. And it's always fascinating to me when I look at this passage, Jesus does not debate this with the evil one. He doesn't. He was offered the kingdoms of the world the easy way, without sacrifice, without a cross. With that kind of power and influence, surely he could have protected himself. Surely he could have secured the well-being of those that he cared about for a lifetime. 60, 70, 80 years. But you know, the end never justifies the means in God's kingdom. It never has. And regardless of what everybody around you says, it never will. So Jesus responded by saying, We need to worship the Lord our God and serve only Him. That's what He said in verse 10. He's saying if we're going to honor God and grow in holiness individually and as a nation, we need to seek God for help to resist this kind of power grab. We need to resist doubting and testing God. We need to resist you know, the, the lure of all that we see and all that we think we want and need. It's one of, the, one of the ways, one of the foundational ways to grow in holiness and honor God with your life. 
There's a second way to honor God and grow in holiness and push back darkness that's around us in our land. And that's this. We need to shine. We need to shine. If you just flip to chapter 5 of Matthew 5, right there where you are. You're in chapter 4. Just look at chapter 5. Maybe the same, uh, same opposite side of the page. Verse 14, Jesus is speaking to his followers. And this is what he says. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that can't be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a bowl. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. I mean, Jesus is just saying here to us, he's saying you and I need to light the path to God and goodness in the world in which we live with our unselfish deeds of kindness and virtue. He's saying shine. He's saying serve, help, be faithful, avoid timidity, stand, shine. I mean, never forget, how is darkness dispelled? With light. With light. As long as the light's hidden, what difference is that light making in the darkness? Zero, at worst, and maybe 5% impact at best. 7%, let's say. Some of, us, some of us are living our lives in such a way because of our timidity, our concern for our job, our concern for how people will think about us, and we're the 7% light bulb. You ever replace the light bulb? You know, you know the little bulb that goes and stick it in your... Uh, electric socket in your bathroom or in your entryway or someplace. You can have a little light bulb. Seven, seven watts is what that little bulb is. You know, That's great in the middle of the night just to kind of tiptoe around. But if you've done it, like I have, with your house a little bit of a mess uh, because of water damage and various other things, where things are a little out of place and you're not sure where it all goes. and have a tendency with seven watts, it's just not enough wattage. You know, give me a hundred watt light bulb. Make it halogen, please. You know what I'm saying? And I don't want just a, a directional. I want, I, want a, I want a floodlight so I can see everywhere. That's what I want. Better than that, give me more than one hundred watt light. That's what I want. Jesus is saying. If we're going to push back darkness, if we're going to honor God with our lives, you and I were made by God. I mean, we are, we are the hands, the feet, the representatives of Jesus right now, empowered by His Spirit to be light, to shine, to make a difference. Resist temptation. Resist timidity. Be bold. Trust that God is with you. Trust that He's with you. You wait out a time or two, pretty soon you'll realize, whoa, he is. I was made for this. It's your inheritance. Live that way. If we're going to grow in holiness, if we're going to honor God with our lives, you and I are going to have to learn to love like Jesus as well. Right there in chapter 5, look at verse 43. I love this passage and hate this passage at the same time. So I afflict you with it, as any good pastor should. 
Verse 43, Jesus is speaking. He says, you have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, say it out loud with me, love your enemies. Jesus is saying, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you're kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that, Jesus says. But you are to be perfect. Other translations, you're to be complete. Even as your Father in heaven is perfect or complete. I want to ask you, is it easy to love those who don't love you back? Of course not. Never has been. Wasn't easy for Jesus. It's never been easy for God's people throughout, you know, throughout the centuries. Never has been easy. Part of the idea here is not to say, oh, it's not easy. I can't do it. And hide ourselves from that truth of Scripture. The intent of God is for us to seek Him for help. God, I don't love like you do. Fill me with your love. Help me to love, fill in the blank, this person, this company who didn't treat you right, this country who violated something in your life. God, help me to love my enemies. This person who posted something on Facebook. You just think, that was horribly unkind. That was hurtful to me. We are a culture that lives out of our offenses right now. And we can be offended about the most pathetic juvenile things anymore. I mean, you didn't have to... Used to be you'd be offended because somebody shot 58 people, okay? Killed them, okay? We don't have to be offended by that anymore. I'm offended by a statue. I'm offended by your t-shirt. I'm offended by the color of your car. I'm offended. I could go on, couldn't I? Right? Go ahead. You're with me. This is, this is where we live. We have got to learn to love like Jesus, which means even those who offend me. And it's not going to begin with all them bad people out there. It's going to begin with you and me. That's where it begins. we got to learn to love like Jesus. And that's very important. And hear this. Because 2,000 years ago, Jesus described this generation of mankind with these words. I want you to think deeply about this. Matthew 24, verse 12. Jesus says, Sin will be rampant everywhere. And the love of many. Notice what it says will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. That's how Jesus described our generation. We're seeing it before our very eyes. Jesus is just saying, we've got to learn to love those who don't love us. Don't give in to the tendency of our generation. Just because it's characteristic of the culture doesn't mean it has to be characteristic of you or me. In fact, if we will embrace God's ways and a life of holiness, it's possible to love 
even when everybody else hates you. Remember the cross. Remember the cross when you think about that. Literally, Jesus is dying on a cross. People are standing at the foot of his cross mocking him. If you're the son of God, come down. Hear him quoting scripture. Oh, he's crying out to Elijah. Let Elijah save him. On and on they went. And even the thieves dying next to him mocked him. Jesus' prayer was, Father, forgive them. Remember? They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're praying. They don't know what they're saying. They don't get it. Friends, our generation does not get it. We don't get it. That's not justification for you or me being mean, evil, spirited, condemning, judgmental, harsh, unloving. It's the challenge of our generation. And God sovereignly chose for you and me to be born during this period of time. Because with his spirit's presence, he's made us capable of being good and godly during this time. We're to shine right now. We're to shine. We're to resist the temptation. We're to shine and we're to learn to love like Jesus loves. And are we going to succeed sometimes? Yes. Are we going to fail sometimes? Yes. And when you fail, what do you do? You brush yourself off. You seek God for cleansing. You get up and go at it again. And if you can ask forgiveness of the person, you do. And that alone will shock them. Nobody expects you to be perfect anymore. They expect you to be hard-hearted. And somebody who will come back and say, I blew it here, I'm, I'm sorry. You will fry the circuits of the people in your relational world. And you create an opening in their hearts for God. You were made for this. Love like Jesus loves. And to succeed at that like Jesus, we've got to put our hope in God alone. I think you can see that. It kind of all builds that direction. If I'm going to, if I'm going to succeed at this, I'm probably not going to succeed at it on human effort. You know? Just not. Probably not going to be able to pay me enough to live this way. Probably not going to be able to just coerce me into it. i got to put my hope in God and God alone. This is the foundation to living a life that honors God and is growing in holiness. We were talking about that last week when we talked about repentance. But I want you to think about it this way. If you want real security and hope in your life... You and I have got to build our lives on something that can never be taken from us, right? If we want real security, real hope, we have to build on something that can't be taken from us. Can you lose a home? Can it be taken from you? Yes. A mortgage company could rip you off. People could come and burn your house down. On and on we could go with this. But I mean, a house can be taken from you. Can you lose a career? Yes. Yes. Through no fault of your own? Yes, you can lose a career. Can you lose a marriage? Yes. Can you lose your health? Yes. Can you lose your youthful beauty? Yes. 
We all have and will continue to experience this. It's the nature of it, right? Can you lose your life? Last Sunday night was a reminder of that. One moment you could be singing along with the song and the next moment, gone. can happen. But if Jesus is the foundation of your life, can you lose your soul? Can you lose your hope for the future? No. Can you lose eternity? Will you get a new body? Yes. Will there be a new heaven and a new earth? Yes. Will you get to reign with Jesus throughout that experience? Yes. Yes. Will there be evil there to take it away from you? No. 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 So will you put your faith, your trust, your hope, your security in the one thing, the one person that can never be taken away from you by anyone? Well, you recognize that everything else is a shadow. It's a mist. It's a fog. But he is God. And if he can create all of this that you now enjoy, which he did, he will be making it even better when evil is not a part of it. And it just stands to reason in the meantime... Stuff's going to go wrong. We'll have trials. We'll have sorrows. But if I put my hope in God and in God alone, all that really matters, all who really matter to me in the long term are going to be just fine. There's peace, there's security, there's hope. It's part of why Jesus could say to his disciples crazy things like, don't fear those who can kill you. Who can kill you. All they can do is, you know, harm your body. We hear that from our generation. We just think, crazy time. It's like our brains. We just cannot compute that kind of thinking. Although I hope we're beginning to understand a little what Jesus meant. It'll push back the darkness. And an amazing thing, if you and I pursue holiness like that, it prepares us for eternity. Regardless of what trials come our way right now, uh, we're ready. I want to close with this thought this morning. Someday down the road, you and I are going to meet an old man or an old woman. It's probably going to be 10, 20, 30, 50 years from now. He or she might be a seasoned, gentle, gracious person who's grown gracefully old and surrounded by lots and lots of friends, friends who who call themselves blessed because of what that person's life has meant to them, the difference that that person's life has made in their lives. Or we're going to meet the old, an old man or old woman who, who's bitter and disillusioned and hard and crusty, some, an old buzzard, without a good word for anybody, soured, friendless, alone. Do you know where you and I are going to meet that old man or that woman? In the mirror.
That's where we're going to meet him. We're going to look in the mirror and go, that's not who I thought I would become. Or you'll look there and you'll say, thank you, Jesus. Not who I used to be. I'm not all that I hope to become. But thank you, Jesus, for blessing my life. And the only way you get there is if you learn to resist temptation. If you learn to shine. If you learn to love like Jesus loves. And if you make God the center of your life and you put your hope, your trust, your confidence only in him. Let's live our lives to honor God like that. We've been made for that. And I ask you to stand with me. We're going to close in prayer this morning. After last week, you just almost get nervous about turning the television on. See what the, what's, what's the next big story? What's the next big wacky thing that's happened? Um, keep what we've talked about in mind. Feel free to share it with those who you come in contact with. Let's live it. All right. If you need prayer for something specifically afterwards, we'll be happy to hang around here and pray with you. If you need to, maybe you just need to give your life to Jesus. You've never done that. You're thinking this morning, I do. I, I, I'm putting my hope in Jesus. I, I need that kind of hope. We can, we'd love to pray with you about that, talk to you a little more about that. Let's bow our heads and pray, and then we'll be dismissed. And if you want prayer, come on down. Heavenly Father, thank you for everybody here. Thank you for each one's effort to try to honor you with their lives. Obviously, they're trying to honor you just by being here. You're trying to live out your word as best we know how in our situation. With a set of circumstances that we've got, some by our choosing, some by things beyond our control. Help us, God. Help us to... Help us to push back the darkness in us and in the world around us. And God, as you help us to do that, we'll give you credit because we know apart from you, uh, no good thing would be resulting in our world. Thank you for your kindness, your presence. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice for us. As we leave this place, Father, would you help us to shine? Would you help us to love like you? Help us to make a difference wherever we go. We're just grateful for your sacrifice. Help us to remember the cross, to remember your word this week. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.